Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Brent S., Jackie A., Nick W., Andy J., and Todd A. Ken Lewis is on the show today. Ken is the Chief Executive Officer at Atmex Incorporated, probably the most recognized U.S.-based precious metals dealer. Atmex has partnered with Canadian-based Sprott to launch OneGold, a new service for precious metal exposure that utilizes digital technology to provide an efficient platform to acquire, store, and liquidate precious metals instantly. You can learn more about OneGold via their website, onegold.com. That's O-N-E, gold.com. Mr. Lewis, thanks for coming on and welcome. Hey, man. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Well, Ken, let's start off. Can you give us a little bit about your background and then how you sure. became interested in precious metals? <laughs> well, look, uh, a little background from Atlanta, Georgia, you know, Georgia Tech grad, uh, really was an operations guy uh, and finance guy for most of my career. Uh, worked at companies like Office Depot, Microsoft, and Home Depot. And uh, about uh, eight years ago, a little over eight years ago, um, I was recruited, um, you know, by Hydric and Struggles with a little firm called Atmex that I had never heard of, frankly. Um, and as I learned more and more about it, and uh, I found out the kind of role I could play in the company, uh, I felt like it was a great opportunity for me to take kind of my experiences in other companies and large companies and and joining. You know, although it's a billion dollars in revenue, we're you know we're 220 employees, so it, it's a really a family atmosphere, and and have been learning all about precious metals, you know, ever since. And uh, it's a it's a complicated space, but it's a, a space that as people become more educated about, I think they realize the merits of of precious metals, and and that's really been my my focus over the last several years. Uh, joined us uh, joined as a operations guy, kind of became CEO in uh, about four years ago, and uh, we've been really trying to, we always like to say, reinvent ourselves over the last several years because it's a very dynamic and changing industry, as you can imagine. Can you tell us just a little bit more about what attracted you to AppMex? And for the audience who may not know about what AppMex does, can you just give a brief right. overview? Definitely. Uh, first and foremost, you know, AppMex, you know, Basically, think about us as the Amazon of precious metals. Uh, we we take orders online. We do it on the phone as well. Uh, we ship it to your door, um, oftentimes with signature requirements. Uh, we do about 550,000 orders a year. Um, lifetime, 20-year-old companies done about $11 billion in revenue. Uh, dominant, Honestly, the dominant physical precious metals dealer in the U.S. and, and probably one of the largest in the world. And, uh, and really what I loved about it is, you know, in your large companies, you, know, you can make impacts, but you, you sometimes wonder about, um, you know, whether or not what you recommend or what you want to try to pursue is something that the company will embrace. At a, at a place like Amex, we're a really small company. We, we try to work as a team. We make quick decisions. And I love the ability to be able to make impacts uh, in a moment's notice. And, um, and I love the competitive spirit of the industry. Uh, Amex is uh, owned by a single individual and has been for 20 years. Uh, we don't have outside investors. We're able to do what we think is right and not be tied up with the markets and, and other things that sometimes make you not always make the right decisions. So I really thought that would be a great atmosphere to be 
be in and, and being in public companies my whole career and large companies is just a pretty big dramatic change for me personally and really have enjoyed it in Oklahoma City frankly where we live here that's where we're headquartered is a fantastic place to raise a family I've got three kids and so I, I send my last off to college here uh, next year so it's been really good for the family as well. Well, excellent. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And can you give us your personal view after your time now in, in the industry and with AppMex? Can you give us your personal view, thoughts on gold from an investor standpoint? And do you believe that precious metals like gold and silver have a role to play in wealth protection? You know, it's funny. I, I've spent a lot of time on this, and you can imagine being in this industry for eight years. Um, and I've given many presentations. And 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 frankly, I had a guy named Rick Rule. I don't know if you've talked to Rick before. Um, really renowned guy in our industry. I had him in last week, as as recently as last week, and he even opened my eyes up to an angle that I never really thought about. So first and foremost, do I think it's applicable investment for people? I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And what I tell people to do is don't trust trust me. Do your research. Go look at the numbers. Uh, second best performing asset class since the year 2000. Real estate's the only one outperforming it. So that's not a bad indicator. It works inversely to the equities market. So it's a natural hedge against equities. All you have to do is go back and look at its numbers from 2008. Uh, and you can see what the purchase metals business did when the equities were struggling. So it's a nice fit there. Um, and then, frankly, from a diversification strategy standpoint, because it works inversely to equities, because it's performed fairly well as an asset class, why would you not want it in your portfolio um, as just as a diversification strategy? And, you know, people say it's a, you know, it's a safe haven investment. I put that to the side. I just use the numbers when I make my decisions. And Rick, like I mentioned, you know, it kind of enlightened me. He said, Ken, you know, he made this comment last week with me when we were doing a video. He goes, you know, I look at precious metals as kind of an insurance policy. Uh, I hope I never have to use it. But if I ever have to, I know I'm going to be tape protected. And, and that's kind of the way to think about it is you invest in it, you put five to 10% of your portfolio in there, you forget about it, and uh, it's going to be your protection. And you know what, in tough times, it's going to perform very well as well. So it's a, it's a really good uh, option for a different asset class to have in a portfolio when you're looking for, a, for an overall strategy. Certainly, and we share a lot of your views and certainly some of the views uh, up there at Sprott and Rick as well. Now, you're mm -hmm. leading the efforts over at One Gold. Tell us briefly about One Gold, and then we'll get into some more details. So what we did about two years ago, we came together with an idea with with Sprott and and the idea, frankly, we're seeing cryptos out there and you read different things you read out there says, you know, cryptos may be taking away from the physical demand of precious metals. And I don't believe that's the case uh, in a large degree, but I do love what cryptos are doing from a technology standpoint and making it easier for consumers to take a, an investment position in something, whether it's merited or not, it, the, the process and, and, and the and the, uh, uh, the, the technology is pretty pretty modern and, and advanced for consumers that are hopefully going to hit it in the masses like you see in cryptos really just got a mass following so we came together and we said how could we do that in the precious metal space and we said you know we think we could offer uh, a digital metal solution that would be super easy for consumers to use, that could be institutional pricing, that could have the security mechanisms like two-factor authorization and and uh, and the ability to link your bank account, things like that, convenience, if you will, and allow people to trade it 24-7 uh, at all times and then be able to do things like get redemption when they want it. Uh, so we were really targeting the ETFs primarily. We didn't expect a lot of physical buyers would jump over to the platform. What we're 
finding is some are doing it because they took an ETF and they invested in. They'd rather go out and own this product than an ETF. But uh, but the vision was to make it simple, simple, easy, make precious metals an easy product to understand. It's so complicated for people to get their heads around. We want it to be simple, straightforward, transparent. And, uh, and so far, we've been pretty successful at it. Kent, who is behind One Gold besides Sprott and AppMix? Now, we understand a company by the yeah. name of TradeWinds is also supporting with their technology. Is anybody else sure. behind it? Well, for, first I'll tell you, Sprott and Atmex, we 100% own the company. Um, and then what we do is we partner with firms. So uh, Tradewind provides a blockchain technology for the Canadian product that we currently sell. Um, it, the U.S. product is not on a blockchain. The product we're going to sell here very shortly in the U.K. will not be on a blockchain. So we do use, we have one product with blockchain mainly to see whether consumers really want blockchain or not in the overall mix of things. But the Royal Canadian Mint is holding the metal up in, uh, in, in, in Canada for us. Um, so you have sovereign government-backed um, mint holding that metal for you. In the U.S., we use, right now we're using Atmix primarily. We also use Brinks and Loomis in the U.S., our options for us to store metal, and then when we go over to uh, when we go over to Europe in Switzerland and in the UK, which we're working on right now, um, I can't share the name of the firm in the UK, but you'll be very impressed by uh, that entity. And then in, in the case of uh, Switzerland, we're going to be using Brinks and Loomis as well. So, you know, what we're trying to do we use Lloyd's of London for our insurance. We use a top five accounting firm uh, for all our attestations or audits of our inventory. You know, what you're getting here is you're getting top-notch firms behind every step of the process that we try to roll out to our customers. Okay, and can you speak a little bit more detail on the organizational structure of One Gold? Is it a 50-50 joint venture with Sprott? What's the setup? Yeah, C-Corp, uh, 75-25, Atmex is 75. And, um, and you yeah, know, look, I mean, it's, uh, it's run as an independent company from a P&L standpoint, but uh, the reality of it is, is, you know, we're using Atmex resources and Sprott resources to help make it successful. And uh, it's gone so well, it's gone pretty well. I think the big thing that we have found in this industry, as you can imagine, there's a lot of fly-by-night companies that try to get into uh, trading, electronic commerce, if you will. And the reality is they have no background in precious metals. Uh, we really fit both sides very well. If you ever go to our Atmex site where we sell physical metal, you'll see our technology is pretty state-of-the-art. We take our technology skills and our knowledge of precious metals combined to offer this solution, which so few people can actually do. They're usually one side or the other. They're all metals or they're all technology. They don't really have both sides of the equation. And can you highlight for us the key people at One Gold and your position at One Gold? Yeah, I'm CEO of both Atmex and One Gold. Uh, I have a gentleman named Arun Vinkateshwaran, a uh, great guy. He's my CTO for Atmex. He's also my business lead for One Gold. And then we have three dedicated people in the One Gold business. And then we use our IT resources within Atmex. And we've also used small shore resources in India as well. So um, we use our accounting team as well to handle all the fraud work, uh, the Atmex accounting team. So they're not dedicated resources of, of, of One Gold. Uh, um, so it's uh, it's a good example where I'm taking the strengths of Atmex and leveraging them um, to make sure that One Gold uh, you know doesn't make some of the mistakes that a typical startup might make. Okay, I want to discuss the more in-depth details about this service beyond what can be found by looking at all the sure. information on the One Gold website, which has a number of yeah. interviews and a lot of good information regarding sure. accounts. Can anyone in right. the world open an account? 
Yeah, there's certain countries obviously we can't do business with. They're they're kind of the U.S. has kind of put them on a list of countries that we we can't do business with. We run everyone through an OFAC screen, so there's certain individuals that we have to be careful of, as you can imagine. But uh, but yeah, we're pretty much. I mean, we've already done business in 50. I think it's 55 countries now. We're up to that people have done business with us on. Reminder, you know, we're a U.S.-based corporation, so we follow we follow U.S. law through our processes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much the majority of countries in the world can do. Business business with us. And uh, I think we've actually had customers visit our site from something like 130 countries. Uh, but so far, we're up to about 55 that we've actually done business with. Okay. And would you guys allow business accounts or is it only individuals? Um, actually, you can do both. You can actually set trust accounts up. You can set business accounts up. Um, obviously, um, we have consumer accounts. So, you know, we're flexible on that. Typically, in the startup of the of the of your account, you disclose the the type of account you are, or you call our um, you call our uh, help desk, and uh, we we work you through that process. So, we're also doing IRAs. Um, so, some people um, would prefer to use their IRA investments for in, for, for investment. Uh, we work with. Uh, I think right now we're two different IRA companies. Strat is live right now. We're about to go live with a second here in the next week, and then we're adding a third uh, in the next month. So you're also able to do IRAs if you so choose on the platform. Okay. And one of the issues I experienced, Ken, from an individual mm-hmm. account perspective was access to ACA transfers. So when I set up my yeah. first test account, I had selected resident of Panama, but I have an uh, account in the U.S., which would allow oh. me the ACH option. So will right. one goal be addressing the demographic of people who have multi-jurisdictional accounts but are non-U.S. Yeah. residents? So you can actually – so we've had that issue happen as well with other clients. We have a gentleman out of Thailand, for example, that had the exact same situation you did. Um, and, and actually what we're, we need to do is we need to start to ask you where you bank and where you live. It's a separate question we need to ask when you set your account up, and we'll be able to handle that for you. So it's, a, it's on our long list of things we're trying to get live. but we. As you mentioned, ACH, we, we have a process that we think is, frankly, not unique because a lot of companies are now offering it, but definitely unique in our industry where we use a company called Plaid, uh, just bought by Visa for, I think, $5 billion, so a really nice outfit. Uh, and what they do is they allow you to actually do ACH by linking your bank account with uh, with OneGold as long as it's a U.S. or I think we're about to launch Canada, and Plaid is growing internationally. Eventually, we'll be able to offer the service to those overseas as well. Uh, and people love it. So the need to do a bank wire is is gone. And uh, and also unique is we let you do up to $100,000 on an ACH, which typically people cap you off at like five grand. So it's uh, it's been a really nice uh, feature for our, for our site. Yeah, that sounds great. And anything to avoid SWIFT at this point would be fantastic because it is archaic. Yep. Let's let's talk briefly. Can you overview the fee structure of one gold? Yeah, it's 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 very transparent on the site. We we've actually we've even built a little tool for people to go in and put their situation in, so we'd tell them exactly what their costs would be. But um, 30, 30 basis points is what we charge from a premium standpoint for the product uh, on the front end. If you go to sell, it's thirty basis points on the back end, uh, and then there's a two dollar spread on gold uh, between bid and ask. Um, so so you can kind of go to the site and you can see exactly what those spreads work out to dollar wise. I think it's about four dollars and fifty cents an ounce is what you're paying for gold over spot. Uh, and the spread is somewhere in the nine to $10 range. I, mean, I may be a little off there, but I'm close on silver. You're paying the same 30 basis points, but as you know, silver is much cheaper. So you're paying about five cents over spot for silver. And, uh, and then again, the same thing, 30 basis points in the back end. I think we have a five cent spread between
between bid and ask. So very, very competitive pricing. Um, you're not going to find better pricing I know of anywhere in the business where you can own metal and have title, which we'll talk, I'm sure, about that later, how people are protected and have title to the product. Um, on the storage side, we do charge a small storage fee. It's 12 basis points for gold per year, and it's also 30 basis points for silver per year with a $5 minimum per quarter. So um, you can go and put the math in there. You can have a you know a $25,000 account, and your fees, if you're holding gold, are going to be you know somewhere in the neighborhood of you know something like $10 to $20. Excuse me, actually, it's going to be probably about $25 a year. Uh, I should probably know these numbers better than I do, but if you use a tool on the site, you can put it right in there, and you can see it's, it's very minimal cost. And even our storage fees, most are charging anywhere from 30 to 50 basis points or higher. Again, very competitive pricing on that. It is. It's very clean. I've, I've checked it over, and it's a very clean pricing format, and I have yet to find one that's actually cheaper at this point. Now, I want to talk about insurance by Lloyd's. What documents yeah, yeah. are provided for the clients that evidence this coverage, such as their certificate of insurance? What are the coverage right. limitations? And in the event of a loss, what value mm -hmm. is actually covered? Yeah, so some of that I can get into detail on, some of it I can't. What we can do, though, is anyone, what we make available on our site is if anyone wants a copy of the insurance policy, we were able to provide, um, you know, a version that we can give you that should make you comfortable. So we tell anyone, if, if you so want to see that copy of insurance, make a request through our, through our through email to our customer service team, and we'll provide you a copy. And I'll make it available online simply because I don't want to give it to the world if, if it's not needed. In terms of coverage, um, we just so you know, we're actually using Lloyd's for our own Atmex coverage as well. Um, I believe the policy is $100 million in coverage at this stage. That number will go as our assets grow in value. Um, it protects against loss. Um, it also protects against fraud. So uh, we think it's a policy that's a kind of a best-in-class scenario. Uh, the metals, just so everyone knows, any of the vaulting partners that are holding the metals also have insurance. So there's two layers of insurance for any of your assets that are being held uh, through one gold. So uh, Brinks or Loomis or the Royal Canadian Mint uh, or any other partner I'm using will have insurance, and then we have insurance over and above that. Um, again, $100 million currently is the current policy's size, but we'll grow that as our assets under management grow as well. Okay, so can you give us a scenario? Let's say someone comes in and, and steals uh, $100,000 worth of gold from a facility. Right. How does, how does right. that work? Walk us through the process. Well, obviously, I haven't had an insurance claim, so. <laughs> but uh, the way it would work, or the way it should work, is we'd make a claim to the insurance company, and they would reimburse this, the dollar amount. What I always tell people to think about on our business is, we have this stuff under lock and key tier one security facilities. We rarely will ever have a loss in a general sense. The way I more think about the insurance policy and the way to view the way our program works is, let's say, for example, one goal were to go under. We, we just failed to operate as a business. What would happen to the assets sitting here, and how would those be distributed to consumers? Um, and the way that would work is very simple. There's a log of ownership. Title is very clear. Uh, the courts will respect that title ownership. The metal would be liquidated. The dollars would then be dispersed to consumers based on their ownership interest in the metal that was held under the vault and key. So, so that scenario is one we have thought through and made sure we've documented out. Uh, but in terms of a loss of the insurance, um, as you can imagine, one gold or Atmex will cover the losses in the interim. But once the insurance claims are made, we would get reimbursement from the insurance companies. Tell us about one gold support for cryptocurrencies. Now, I understand yeah. you can pay with things sure. like Bitcoin. Um, if you do right. that, 
and then later you sell, does those yeah. proceeds move right back from gold to Bitcoin or is it defaulted back to U.S. dollars? So today, today we accept Bitcoin as a payment method. And, and I'd like to remind people to, uh, although cryptos are, are definitely a viable option for some, we are not associated with crypto. We don't hold cryptos. When you pay with a crypto, it literally just converted the dollars in seconds. And we never take a position in crypto. And when, when you go to liquidate and you want to pull your proceeds out, today we cannot pay you back in crypto. We can only pay you in dollars uh, back. But there is, a, there is something we're working on with our crypto partner, company called Bit, BitPay, uh, and BitPay does allow us to actually pay you back in crypto. So it's something we're going to evaluate. We don't have a lot of customers screaming for it right now, so our preference is to basically just send the money back ideally through an ACH or a bank wire, uh, or we can even mail a physical check, and then the person can take that cash and put it back into crypto any way they like. Very well. And Ken, for folks who send and leave a cash balance at one gold, how is that mm -hmm. treated and where are those funds held? Bank of Oklahoma is our local bank. Uh, obviously, um, right now, those, those, those funds basically will be segregated at a point in time when the dollar amount becomes significant enough. But at this stage in this stage of the game, they're underneath the one gold umbrella. Um, what I can assure people is, and, and, and again, I'm not going to provide my financial statements, but what I can assure uh, people is that we're well capitalized, that we put uh, several million dollars into one gold on the front end. Um, the cash of our customers are not needed to run the business. We would never join funds in their operation of the business. But today they're held by the Bank of Oklahoma for us. Uh, we clearly understand what the dollar amounts are by customer. Uh, we make those available to the consumers. You'll be amazed how many customers will pay with cash. They'll then excuse me, pay with cash. They'll pay with an ACH. They'll liquidate the metal. They'll leave it on account with us. They'll then go back and take that dollar balance and they'll buy metal again. They'll sell. And people oftentimes are moving moving dollars, moving between dollars and metal on an ongoing basis at all times. Uh, but at some point in time, we will segregate those funds. Today, we haven't felt it big enough, and our accounting firm has told us it's not significant enough to need to segregate it. But once those dollar amounts clear a certain threshold, we'll, we'll, we'll start to do that as well. Is there any plans to offer a one gold card or an app feature that provides a way to make a purchase or a card withdrawal while the one mm -hmm. gold system handles the conversion from metals to dollars? You know, we man, that's a great question. Uh, we've looked at it, and I've actually done podcasts in the past where I committed that that's the path we wanted to go. As we've looked at it more and more, um, we don't believe at this point in time that we're going to be doing a debit card concept where you could do a transaction, liquidate gold, and cover the cost of the transaction. And the reason why is what we're finding is the majority of our customers are not looking to spend their gold. They're looking to save gold. And so what we are looking at is something a little different. We're looking at a credit card that pays you rewards in gold rather than allows you to spend your gold. And uh, we've asked our customers right now, by the way, we're I think we're up to over 9,000, actually we're north of 10,000 uh, customers that we're able to actually engage with. And the feedback we've received from them is they'd rather a credit card that pays gold and rewards than a debit card that allows them to spend gold. So we're leaning toward the credit card today. I'm not going to rule out a debit card concept. I think it's very viable where people's currencies have fluctuations. Um, so third world countries where, or Venezuela, places like, places like that where where the currencies are very volatile, holding your assets in gold and being able to spend those at the cash register does make a lot of sense for, for places like that. And uh, we want to accommodate that at some point in time. But we're leaning toward to a credit card has more mass appeal than a debit card right now. I like both ideas, Ken. I would just suggest that you yeah. know, in, in a world where if the United States moves to zero or negative interest rates, where people would want to be in a place like gold where they yeah. would take their dollars 
park it in gold and immediately yeah. move gold to purchase a cup of coffee and never have a transaction in dollars. And yeah. so that's yeah. something that I would just point out and make some other yep. points about some of the other countries and some of the other currencies. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah. actually, you know, I'm not, by the way, I'm not discrediting the, the idea. It's uh, frankly, we went down the path of looking into it and the economics of the debit card. It's really hard for us to be able to financially support that long term. There's a company out there that is offering a product like you're describing. And I won't name them, but anyone can do the research. And that company's they're, 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 I wouldn't say, how do I say this? I would say their long-term viability, they're going to have to branch out with something else because the economic model is questionable unless people have higher fees than what I'm charging today, if that makes sense. Okay. Now let's talk about <laughs> jurisdiction. Um, yeah. I, I want to talk about jurisdiction because I think that's important. One goal yeah. is holding assets in the U.S. and Canada. Now you've talked mm-hmm. about UK and even Switzerland, Switzerland, I believe. So now there is a service you're, I'm sure you're aware of Singapore. There is a service based in Singapore that offers a notable yep. jurisdiction with very comparable yep. insurances, audits, verified ownership, fees based yep. on weight and other features. Mm-hmm. What is OneGold doing to offer more jurisdictional diversification options for clients? Yeah. And do you believe in having alternative jurisdictions for holding precious metals? We, we do. And uh, we've done our research, right? Um, you know, believe it or not, Singapore, as much as people talk up Singapore for products like this, the reality is when you look at where the assets are around the world, it's, uh, it's, it's not very significant at this stage of the game. Switzerland is the dominant location that people like to store their metals in around the world is what we're finding. Um, and so we're going to cater to that. Um, we, I was actually in Switzerland a few weeks back. Um, we've already got vaulting arrangements negotiated and are being finalized. Um, so I think I'm going to actually be able to offer gold in Europe. Um, the UK may take a little bit longer, but it's not far behind. I think I'm going to be able to offer that option, at least in gold, uh, in the very near future. Silver becomes a little more complicated. You have this thing called VAT taxes you have to worry about, and you have to deal with bonded warehouses. Um, and then the availability of the metals is a little bit more challenging. But definitely for gold, we should be able to offer that in Switzerland and the UK. We are looking at Singapore. We're looking at Hong Kong. Uh, we're looking at other options as well. Um, the beautiful thing about what we sell uh, is we're dealing typically, when you're talking about international locations, we're dealing in you know kilo bars, 400-ounce gold bars. So the physical procurement and storage is relatively straightforward. What you really focus on, for me, is offering a great user experience and make it easy for people to take positions around the world. And that's something we're working long and hard on. For example, I want to be able to offer 20 to 30 different currencies at some point in the near future. How do I do that? And how do I allow a person who's sitting in Germany to pay in euros when they take your position in Switzerland? That, to me, is super, super critical, not just having the vaulting location, but offering various currencies uh, around the world where they don't have to go through FX with their bank and, and they don't have to deal with those kind of challenges. When I can get there, then I've really, I've really, I'm really on to something, and I think we'll have a, a product that will appeal to the masses worldwide. Certainly. And I think that a place like Singapore is one of the better places in light of things in Hong Kong. And yeah, especially you're right about that. You're right about sure. actually it's funny you say that we we were I shouldn't even said Hong Kong for the short term because you're right. You're spot on. And, and uh, Singapore definitely is a more viable option. Uh, and, you know, look, Dubai is an option some people yep. love as well. Yep. So we're, we're not we're not against I guess the point of this is uh, these are great questions. We're not against having locations around the world. And frankly, we desire 
to have locations around the world, and we desire to have 20 to 30 currencies around the world. We want to be a worldwide product for consumers uh, and give them choices and let them decide what they want to do. Kent, you guys have multi-jurisdictions, and you have vault agreements and, and all these setups around the world. Mm-hmm. You're a U.S.-based company. In the event that the U.S. government decides that uh, ownership is an issue, we've seen the history, Ken, I know you know the history. Mm-hmm. If, if gold becomes a sticky topic, mainstream, mm-hmm. how would you guys approach dealing with the government when you guys hold assets for other people in other countries and other jurisdictions? Right. How, how are you guys going to approach that if that day comes? You know, look, I, my view is, and I know it's uh, it's a far out thought that probably, you know, whatever it would it ever occur. But the key here is, you know, we're not holding we're not necessarily holding US, you know, gold eagles, for example, right? When 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 they went out and they confiscated pre thirty three gold back in the day, you, you know, that was US minted product, the US government's name on it, you know, all these other things going on. We're holding gold bars, right? That's primarily what we're holding uh, for consumers. So from a confiscation or, or from a regulatory standpoint, I don't get as worried about it in that regard. But what I do want to focus on, and I think it's very important we all stay focused on, is how would how would we, if regulatory pieces came in and said, okay, I'm going to knock on your door and say, are you doing this the right way? Are you are you doing proper AML? Are you doing proper KYC? Do you know who your customers are? Do you know where your assets are coming from? And the answer I can say definitively is yes. And we have very clear AML policies around here. It's been documented. It's audited by a third party. As you can imagine, that was put in place for Atmex to start with. We're leveraging that for one gold. I question companies around the world, whether or not they have the quality of AML and KYC that would stand up to a regulatory type attack from a government entity. I think we will. And I think we're going to do very, very well in that regard. And frankly, in some ways, I could argue we'll do better than almost anyone else. And and some level of scrutiny is probably good for us. But but at the end of the day, you know, my view is the products we're holding are different. Um, the title of ownership is clearly the customer. So, so we have a case where uh, it is not my product. I, when I when I do a transaction, I'm passing title and ownership to the consumer. Um, I know who the customer is through KYC AML uh, as needed. And by the way, there's different levels of dollar size deposits where we actually level, we raise our level of scrutiny on the consumer. It's like right. you would expect us to do. Uh, so I feel like we're going to probably be okay. But look, I mean, I, I can't predict. Um, I can only tell people that I try to do business the right way. Um, you know, I've got I've got a reputation on the line here with Atmex that I'm not going to hurt. And um, and a lot of these companies, like there's companies in Singapore that are, you know, startups that have been around for a couple of years with a board that looks great. But the reality is, how are they funded? A lot of times they're funded by raising money from their own customers. Um, that's not how we do business. And uh, I think that you want to make sure you're careful of who you do business with, independent of the worry about governments and, and their engagement in the industry. Well, let's just hope there's not a citizen banned on ownership of gold. Let's just hope that doesn't uh, happen. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine it. By the way, I always tell a story. I don't know if you know this. And again, our president only has so much he can do. But, you know, the story I tell people is, you know, Donald Trump took when we actually had uh, real estate in New York, he took our deposit in gold. And when we vacated that lease, he bought the gold back. So he's a gold bug. He's a believer in gold. He's even thrown out the gold standard, knowing it never really will pass again. Uh, so I think, at least in the interim, I think we have pretty good support for gold as a as an investment. When the president of the United States bought gold from us as a part of uh, our transaction, that's a it's a good sign for us, at least in the, at least in the short term. 
yeah, I think we might have for another four and a half years. Uh, it looks like that's probably what the outcome's going to be in, in recent events, but let's let's save that for another conversation. Yeah, um, sure. So what is the policy of OneGold and even AppMex, if you want to speak for them, regarding mm -hmm. the privacy of clients in the event that there is a broad inquiry from regulators yeah. as to the details and holdings of each client served? What's the company's yeah. position regarding the issue if the client checks out and is within all the regulatory policies uh, and, and the client has been a good client checked out and is not a client of question? What's your guys' right. policy in regards to privacy? So look, we we have to we have to you know reply to subpoenas all the time, um, and if the government has the right court order, you know by law we have to share that information. Um, what we do not do is we don't go out and just actively give our information to the government. And typically, when they request for information, it's it's on a by client basis, uh, typically related to a divorce or a lawsuit of some sort. Um, so you know we have to follow the regu regulations of the government and and, by, and do what the law says we have to do here. So um, that information is it's confidential until the government asks for certain things. I don't want to lead anyone on to think that we could fight the government in sharing that information. Now, one thing uh, is very important, frankly, from our standpoint, is uh, we do believe that there's always questions around. Um, for example, a U.S. citizen, do they have to file an FBAR report because metals are held off offshore? Uh, we've done our research. Our accounting firms and our law firms are telling us that is not a requirement. Uh, we always tell our customers to do their own research to get their own tax advice, um, but you're not required to file an FBAR when you're working with us for those assets that are held uh, in Canada or, or, or even overseas. Uh, so that is something that's important for people to recognize. Now, if you're I think if you're actually out of our country, we've also confirmed you don't have to file it on the FBAR, but I would tell people they should also do their own research just to make sure they're, they're good with their, the, the advice they get from their tax accountants. Um, the final thing, as I say, is, is we also don't do any tax documentation as well. So it's, it's really incumbent upon the consumer to keep track of their profitability uh, or losses and to file that on their own taxes. We're not required by law to provide any kind of tax documentation to consumers on their transactions uh, with one gold. So that's another important part I want to highlight as well. Yes, and for us over here, we have the policy of if there's doubt, always file because the ramifications, yeah. if you don't, are too great to even bother risking it. Now, yeah, um, I agree. I want to ask you about potential other precious metals, Ken, platinum yeah, yeah, sure. and palladium. Any plans to offer the complete suite of precious metals and include platinum and palladium? Platinum, U.S., coming to a town near you, hopefully next 30 to 60 days. Um, so we are going to offer platinum. It's a little easier for us in the U.S., mainly because of the availability of the inventory for us here. Um, but we are also going to look at providing that metal as an option, uh, potentially in the U.K. And, and Switzerland as well. So platinum definitely coming and coming soon. Haven't really put a lot of time into palladium. Uh, palladium is something like 1% to 2% of my business at Atmex. So it's not a high priority. But uh, we definitely see a, a benefit of having platinum uh, on the platform. You know, big issue I got to deal with that I got to work through is just like silver. Um, over in Europe, there's some bad issues I've got to kind of make sure we address. Uh, it's important to note that the way we're going to design our European solution is there will be no VAT charged. All this metal will be held in a bonded warehouse at all times. So, you know, when people think about buying physical metal, and I'm a big believer in physical metal, but if you're in Europe and you got to pay a VAT, 
you're better off taking investment through something like One Gold, where you don't have to pay the VAT uh, unless you take physical possession of your product from 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 One Gold. So it's a it's a very viable uh, option for the white metals they call it, uh, platinum and silver. Certainly, some good points, and, and hopefully, uh, Royal Canadian Mint Platinum offering would also be appreciated if you guys can get to it. How about One Gold in terms of offering any type of secured lend borrow features for client-to-client dealings where One Gold acts as the custodian? Yeah. Is that a consideration for the future? It, it is. I mean, we've actually we've actually done our research on it. Uh, matter of fact, we're having our lawyers take one more look. There's a there's a competing company in the U.S. that is doing lending, but they're doing it in a different way than we thought we had to do it. So we're trying to make sure um, that we follow all the regulatory requirements. Uh, basically, uh, the path we're going is getting a consumer lending license. To do that, you have to have licenses at a state level, believe it or not, uh, depending on the state. Uh, but we think that's the way it has to be done. We're just getting all confirmation legally about how to do that. But once we get that one figured out, uh, we're going to actively pursue this because we feel, you know, if we can offer features in one goal that are difficult to get at anywhere else, where you can go online, you can use your app, you can place an order in 15 seconds, and now you can start to borrow against your assets at, you know, call it a 70% ratio and get it at rates that'll be better than walking into a bank and doing a home, a home, uh, you know, equity loan. That's what we're hoping for, and we're hoping to make it super simple. A couple clicks on a phone, and you're done. Uh, because I already have the assets, the risk of the loan is very minimal. So it's something we're actively pursuing. You know, realistically, it's probably late 2020 before I can get to it uh, in a live environment, and then it will be by state depending on what licenses I have. But uh, one challenge I do have is this, you know, you're in Panama. Uh, to go out and address uh, the ability to lending beyond the U.S. is going to take some more time because you have to go out and you have to follow the laws of the community the person lives in when it comes to lending. So it's a little more complicated uh, for us to roll out worldwide. But over time, hopefully we'll get there. And I can certainly speak to some of the jurisdictions. I, it certainly will not be a problem as you guys do your research and review everything, mm-hmm. especially at places like Panama. And I think that makes a lot of sense, Ken, because that feature yeah. is, I think, more and more used. And when it's secured yeah. lending and borrowing, it's, it's a home run for everybody. I really think it's a fantastic way to do it. The only correction I'd make to what you did mention there is uh, we are not looking at doing it peer-to-peer. We're, we're looking at you always doing business with the house. And there's, there's a couple reasons why, but the, the main thing is flexibility. So we want you to be able to get in and out of a loan at a moment's notice. Um, you want to come into a loan today and get out of it a week from now, we're going to give you that ability. When you start doing peer-to-peer, it gets far more complicated and potentially requires what they call a money transmitter license in the U.S., which we'd rather not have to go pursue. So, But uh, just to be clear, we are going to offer lending on your assets under deposit. It's our plan, and, uh, and it will be very competitive rates as well uh, for consumers. Consumers, but um, yeah, it's coming. It's coming soon. It's just a lot of things to get done, man, all at once. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely, and, and understood. And I appreciate you clarifying that. Let's yeah, move sure. over to the hundred percent backing, Ken. I suspect yeah. as one gold grows, so will the amount of backing stored at your facilities in the U.S., Canada, right. and elsewhere. How are you right. dealing with the allocation of where it is stored? So if a purchase is direct to the U.S., does that allocation increase accordingly? And one, when yeah. one gold needs to purchase more metal, when is that done to maintain the 100% backing promise? And how yeah. certain are you of supply coming down from your sources of supply at the moment you need it? Well, I feel pretty confident. Um, you know, look, gold and silver is readily available. Um, in the case of the Royal Canadian Mint, I'm buying it from banks. 
Uh, in the U.S., I'm actually taking inventory that was being sold to banks, and I'm selling it to customers. Um, we are we are going to be using comics facilities as well in the U.S. So I think supply of metal, I'm not too concerned about, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, in terms of having it always physically backed, we will not sell metal we don't own. It's just like on Atmix.com. Um, we we let you know that the metal's there at all times, the transactions, you know, real time. We technically allow ourselves 48 hours to cover a trade, and the only reason why we do that is if someone came in to do a $3 million trade, we may not have $3 million just sitting there uh, ready to allocate. We may have to go procure that. But in general, the metal is already there at all times. Uh, today, we're, we're north of 25 million in assets under management um, so we've done a pretty nice job of growing that base um, it's about 60 40 60 percent in Canada 40 in the US mainly because the US product just launched uh, in September of last year so um, you know I think consumers are telling us I mean the US product on an ongoing basis is about 70 percent 70 75 percent of the ongoing transactions we're seeing people prefer the US and there'll be a day where the vault that is currently held will have to go to a second vault uh, up in New York, we've already got it all scouted out as to which facility we're going to use and who we're going to buy the metal from. So I feel pretty confident I'd always be able to meet the needs of consumers. Uh, we could get into the billions and billions before we'd have to start to think twice about it. And explain for us the details about verification and the audit process. What evidence yeah, sure. of ownership is provided to clients and who is performing right. the verifications and audits? Sure. So in the case of the Royal Canadian Mint, obviously the Royal Canadian Mint gives us that. They're backed by the Canadian government. They're going to provide a monthly uh, attestation of what assets they say we own within their stockpile, if you will. In the case of the U.S., we're using a top five accounting firm. Uh, I'm not able to name the name of the firm um, for legal reasons. They don't want me to do that. But I can tell you it's a top five accounting firm, and we're going to make that available twice a year. You'll have to request a copy of the verification. We're not going to just put it out on our website, um, but that is our, our game plan. The same will hold true in Europe. We're going to do at least two time a year audits from an outside third party at all times, and that person will go in and they'll actually take a, a log of all the assets that consumers own. They'll go out and verify, count it, count the ounces in total, make sure the ounces on hand exceed the ownership level of our customers to be comfortable that um, you know we're, we're, we're doing what we say we're doing. Okay. And when, uh, let's say, for example, if I go on and I buy uh, some vault chain uh, silver today, yeah. when will that verification of that transaction be provided or how do I obtain that? Uh, believe it or not, uh, in the case of that today on vault chain, it's, it's on the blockchain. So you can actually get your verification almost real time because you can click the link within our application. You can actually go directly out to the blockchain and you can see your ownership interest. Um, sometimes it takes, uh, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit of a delay, like, you know, you know, a minute, five minutes type deal. It's more technology communicating with each other. But um What's important for consumers to know is what, what I do is in the rural Canadian Mint or the U.S. is I actually go out and take a position of metal and then I assign ownership as you buy. So the metal's already there. It's already it's already been accounted for. It's already owned by one gold. And I'm just taking my title and I'm passing it to the consumer real time. So for as far as we're concerned, you own it the minute you place your transaction. The blockchain may reflect it, you know, close to real time, hopefully. But in the case of the Royal Canadian Mint or the vaulting part in the U.S., they're going to attest the ounces on hand exceed the ownership interest of the consumers uh, at all times. So it should be pretty much real time. Uh, daily is a worst case. You should be able to confirm that. Okay. And the, uh, the further documents, the audits and so forth, that can be requested yeah. just by contacting yes, customer service. Yes, sir.
Okay, so speak to the storage relationships. Now we know that a concern among folks looking at storage mm -hmm. is that they always con are concerned with counterparty risk. Can you Absolutely. explain the chain of the relationship with the Royal Canadian Mint as well as U.S. relations with Brinks and Loomis? How do those contracts work? What are the terms? How, how does that all how does that all work on the back end? Can you go into a little bit of detail there? Yeah, I can do my best. I mean, I mean, the, the reality of it is, is their responsibility is for the physical storage of the metal, and to make sure that it's not, you know, not stolen. That uh, the, basically they're on the hook for um, testing that the physical quantities there that we own are physically there and protected at all times. And that holds true both for the Royal Canadian Mint, Brinks Loomis, and we are using Atmex as well. Atmex's vault here in the U.S. as well. So that's they are on the hook for saying this metal's here at all times. If they have a loss, their insurance companies or their or them as companies will have to reimburse one gold for those losses. So that's probably the most important piece is that they attest that the inventory's there and they have, if you will, the responsibility to keep that protected at all times. I mentioned earlier, one gold then goes out and gets an insurance contract above and beyond what the vaulting partners already have in place. Why I would ever need to use that, I don't know. We just did it just to play it safe. Uh, we should generally be protected by a Brinks, a Loomis, Royal Canadian Mint, or in the case of Atmex. Um, so that's generally, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. It's, it's uh, a case where... Uh, in the case of Royal Canadian Mint, by the way, they confirm every transaction I buy. So I go to the Royal Canadian Mint and say, I'm going to buy 100 ounces of gold. They actually confirm at the time of trade that 100 ounces of gold are now added to my account. All right. And so then our database shows ownership within the 100 ounces of who owns it by customers, how we keep track of it. So I hope I'm answering your question. It's actually relatively straightforward. They just don't need to lose the metal and they have to attest the metals there at all times. And the minute I say I've given it to them and they confirm it, I'm assuming the metal's there. Then I send in a third party to audit it just to make sure the vaulting partner is not telling me something that doesn't match up with what our records show. Right. And what's the what's the storage agreement with them? I mean, can they call you up in, in two weeks and say, hey, can get your one gold stuff out of our vault? I mean, can they do that or do you guys have a long term agreement to store there or how does that work? Yeah, honestly, I, I, I need to look at what the exit plan is for anybody. Um, I haven't really thought about that. Um, these are long term relationships. We're not doing business with partners that we haven't done business with for, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, so I wouldn't expect a, a scenario like that. Would there ever be a need where I need to move my metal or liquidate metal in one vault and move it to another vault? I could see that possibly happening. Um, say, for example, capacity restrictions at a vault require them to need to use a different vault. So it is it is possible possible. I'm not sure what, I, my guess is that it's at least a 30-day minimum notification period for me to have to make adjustments, but uh, haven't really focused on that all that much because I just don't think that scenario should occur. Uh, what I will tell you is we know there's going to be capacity limitations where we'll have to use more than one vault. So one thing we do in the case of the U.S. is we say it's in the U.S. We don't tell you which vaults it, it is in. Obviously, our accounting firm will know what vaults it in, and they will do the reconciliation. But we say it's in the U.S. Why? Because there could be a day where one vault hit its maximum capacity, and we need to go to a second vault. Or more more likely would be a case where we want to buy metal, and we're finding metals attractively price-wise sitting in Brinks, New York. So I'm going to take a position in Brinks, New York for X amount of ounces, and I'm going to have Y ounces sitting in another vault sitting in, you know, uh, L.A., for example. And, and those ounces in total in the U.S. add up to what our customers own in the U.S. So we'll, we'll have that scenario one day happen. Today it hasn't happened, but, you know, as I look ahead four, five, six years, I do hope that we'll have a scenario where we'll have more volume than one facility can hold. 
Understood. And explain the storage product versus the actual redemption product, given that we understand sure. the stored product will vary from the redemption product. It's not going to move. Yeah. And as a yeah. result, there will likely be a value difference between the two products. Can you just explain that redemption process? Yeah, gr great question. I mean, so look, we're holding pooled metal for people. So imagine a four ounce gold bar sitting there and you want a sliver of it. And now you want to go buy a gold eagle because you'd, you'd like to have a gold eagle in your home. What we do is we liquidate your gold because actually we actually do it as a trade, by the way, online. So we let you take your pool position of metal. We have you then go out and you pick a gold eagle. Behind the scenes, I'm liquidating your position in 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 the bar in the in in the 400 ounce bar, and I'm taking the dollars and then I'm basically buying the gold eagle to to ship to you. Uh, that's happening behind the scenes. As a consumer, you're doing a trade. You're actually taking your uh, digital gold and you're converting it to physical gold and having it shipped to your home. You can pick a number of products on our website. I think we have something like 20 U.S. products or 20 gold products, 20 silver products online. That number can change, by the way. We can grow with that number. You can also, if I don't have the assortment on uh, on our app or on, on, our on our desktop, excuse me, you can also go to atmix.com and find any product on our website, and then we can actually add that to the platform and allow you to buy that with your digital metal. So 20,000 products on the Atmix website. The general investment products are already on the OneGold platform. You pick a Gold Eagle. Now, of course, a Gold Eagle, there's minting charges that went into that. Um, there's higher costs that are associated with that. So what we do is, and, and we try to do this for all customers, is we give you the best price that we have on our Atmix.com website. We give that to our consumer, even though they're only maybe buying one Gold Eagle. And to get the best price on Atmix.com might require you to buy 100 Gold Eagles. So we're giving you the best price for redemption. We don't see a lot of redemption, but when people do it, you're going to have a good experience. It's going to be a higher cost than obviously 30 basis points, but it's going to be very competitive to our retail website. And then Atmex will ship that to you same day or next day, and you'll have that arrive via, via UPS or, or the Postal Service in a matter of a few days. Yeah, I think it's a very clean option, and you guys have, I think, set it up the best way possible. So once once that redemption happens, the stored product yeah. in the vault then becomes unallocated and is then available you to the next it. client. Okay. You, you said it better than I did. I mean, I, I literally have that metal. Basically, what happens is now one goal owns it, and then another customer comes in and buys you know X amount of ounces, and I send it to the next customer. So we are always having a position that one gold always owns a certain amount of gold in the different vaults. And then we just, you know, we go back and forth. Consumers liquidate metal all the time, not just for redemption. They just want to liquidate and get out of metal, you know, on a moment's notice. No problem. Instantaneous. We don't make you wait. We don't settle a trade like stocks are a day later. We settle it real time with you. And then and then one goal shifts to the one goal balance sheet. And then we hold that until we sell it to the next customer. We certainly like the product. Um, we're still doing our research, but uh, so far sure. we've had a perfect experience. Uh, it's been very good uh, with customer service response and the system is, is very quick. Just really fantastic experience thus far. For potential clients who are listening, yeah. why should they open up a one gold account today? What would you say to them? First and foremost, you got to decide do you want to be in precious metals. And, you know, I, I tried to hit on the very beginning of this call. I don't think it's a, a no brainer. I mean, having five, 10% or whatever the right number is for your situation. Do you want a position of metals? First, you say, I do want a position of metal. Second thing you ask yourself is, do I want that off the grid? Do I want it in my, my home? Do I feel support and have physical? If you decide that physical in your home is not for you, now you really have two other options to take a position. Three, if you want to use mining stocks, but I'm going to leave that to the side. You can go buy an ETF or you can go buy a product like OneGold. 
And and what I tell people is, you know what, if you're debating between an ETF and one gold, start to look at the merits. On our website, we do a great job of showing you the merits of a one gold over an ETF. And, um, you know, having the redemption capability, having the ability to link your bank account. One of the features we love, 60 plus percent of our transactions are what we call auto invest, where people say, I'm going to buy $5 of gold a week. I'm going to set up for the next 52 weeks. And at the end of the day, I'm going to have, you know, $5 times 52 times whatever the price of metal did, dollar cost average it out. You can do that on the platform with a matter of a couple of clicks. So we think that those kind of advantages are going to make you want to own a one gold product over an ETF. Uh, and then, of course, you know, look, you can trust us. I mean, $11 billion in business, Sprott publicly traded $750 million market cap. We're not, we're not new to the industry. We're not fly-by-nights. You're doing business with companies you can trust. And you get over that hump, then I think you're going to have a great experience. And I'll tell people, you know, I love my desktop application. We just relaunched it with a new fresh skin. But the app is mind-blowing. It is so easy to use. Um, I find myself not even going to the desktop anymore because I can buy and sell metal within a matter of 15 seconds on the platform once I link my bank account. It's just so simple to move money back and forth between my checking account and my, my one gold account. And that ease of use, to me, is also very, very important when you're talking about precious metals right now. Absolutely. And I see it as much more attractive over an ETF. So you guys will be taking traffic away from ETFs as time goes on and the word gets out. Well, how can folks yeah. uh, reach out to the company to learn more about One Gold? Yeah, no, look, I mean, we're transparent on our site. Um, obviously, we're here to help. You can call phone numbers on the website at onegold.com. And look, if you're on the physical side, feel free to call us on that as well. We we take care of all customers. Obviously, we're not, we want you to have a good experience. Um, I think you nailed it. You know, one of the things that's important to us is the customer. And Amex's reputation for 20 plus years has always been to take care of the customer. And it's got a phenomenal reputation. I think, you know, almost 100,000 plus reviews, 4.9 out of 5 rating. One Gold is carrying the torch. It's already at a 4.8 rating out of five and on a complicated product. I say complicated, just complicated to get your head around digital. But once you get your head around it, people are loving us. And so um, one thing we've spent a lot of time on, and I encourage customers to take a look at it, we have pages upon pages of FAQs. We try to answer every question that customers can come up with and make it transparent on the site. You've asked me some tough questions today. I couldn't tell you what my, uh, what my exit strategy is for uh, a Brinks or Loomis when they end the contract. Well, I'm going to make a note of that because we're going to look at maybe adding it to the FAQs. We want to be transparent so you know, there's no questions that we can't answer right there on the website, and then you can always call us if for any reason we don't have it there. Uh, we want you to have a good experience. We don't want you to feel like it's a bait and switch. We want you to, to, to really feel like it's a product you can be proud of, and I think we've done a good job with that right now. Yes, absolutely. And our goal was to challenge you, Ken, and, and I think you've done a pretty good job <laughs> of taking care of a lot of our concerns. And uh, so that's that's been great. Well, Ken, it's been a pleasure. I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking the details of One Gold, and we hope our audience gives it due consideration. Hey, man, thanks for again, and, and feel free to reach back uh, over time. And we'll make sure we reach out and we start adding some of these new features. I, I'm excited. You know, there's a, there's a roadmap of things we're looking to bring to, you know, limit orders. And I can go on and on and on to allow people to get the most out of a, out of a platform that you can do in digital that you can never do in physical. And, and that's been our goal from the very beginning is to make precious metals ownership available to the masses. And I hope your consumers will give it a shot.